Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Georgia 2024 show brought to you by the Georgia Record, georgiarecord.com. It's been quite a week and it's been quite a 24 hours. I'm going to get into it with you. We uh, This week we had Florida and multiple other states withdraw from the ERIC system, which Georgia needs to do. We're going to be highly focused on that over the next few weeks here on the on the Georgia 24 show and at the Georgia Record. The House Bill 520, uh, we've been targeting it and explaining the public exactly what's going on. And there's some pushback we found out in, in the in the trenches, if you will, with uh, the, the, the cabal trying to rebut what we're saying the bill actually does, which is allow people who don't like you to put you in mental hospitals uh, anonymously. Uh, that's what it does. Uh, there's no uh, ifs and ands or buts about that. And uh, we had the Georgia conventions uh, yesterday uh, in several counties, uh, major counties across the the state. And wow, MAGA swept them all. So we're going to get into all of this. Uh, we've got some really good guests today. I'm going to, we have Henry Zarb, who is the Miami-Dade Election Integrity Subcommittee for the GOP uh, Republican Executive Committee. He's going to talk about how they fought to get off of Eric, which has happened. We've got Matt Ro Rowenzak, who is the newly minted vice chair of Fulton County GOP. Paul Hershey, a retired Marine, who's going to discuss House Bill 520 in depth again, and Holly Terry from No Left Turn in Education. So we're really uh, going to go after a lot of uh, what we've been hammering on for the last few weeks to months. Uh, however, we want to talk to you about what happened to us last night. We were the first to put out all this news on the conventions. Uh, we were the first to go after House Bill 520 uh, really radically in the media. And it looks like we got somebody's attention because last night, as we were working, uh, we had cyber attacks on our equipment. I've never seen a computer essentially just uh, catch on fire and blow up. Uh, but that happened to several devices uh, last night uh, here at CD Media and at the Georgia Record. So uh, we are definitely over the target. I feel like the uh, what's the movie, The Memphis Bell, where the, the pilot goes over the, the, the sites in Nazi Germany taking flak and then tells the crew, we got to go around again. Well, we're going around again over the target until we make this country free and reclaim our republic. So with that, we need your help. Uh, we've got some huge expenses now. We're involved in lawsuits. As you know, we sued the Trusted News Initiative with uh, Bobby Kennedy, BBC, uh, Associated Press, uh, the Washington Post, and Reuters. We have legal expenses. We have obviously new equipment expenses after last night. So here's, here's how you can help us. One, you can go to CD Media, look at the top right corner, the Donate tab. That's always welcome and much needed. We have significant donations every month and keeps us growing and working in the fight. Uh, we have merchandise on armedforces.press. If you want to get gains in style in the gym, go to AFP and uh, armedforces.press and look for the store. It's, very, it's right there on the top left corner with a picture of a shirt. And we have really cool Armed Forces Press merch, coffee mugs, everything you want. Uh, check it out and uh, help us help us grow, but uh, look good in style in the gym. We've got hoodies and everything, really cool stuff, and that's going to be growing. We have an event coming up in on March 24th, uh, sponsored by ArmedForces.Press and CD Media. Uh, it's going to be in Colorado Springs. We have a, a really good panel to go after how they are targeting our children and our armed forces. There's a lot of veterans in, in Georgia. So go to ArmedForces.Press forward slash event. And get a ticket. If you can't make it to Sea Springs on the 24th of this month, get a live stream ticket. Hold a house party. 
um, stream what's happening to our military and our children. Bring some friends and family or those neighbors who really just don't get it. Bring them over. Uh, throw some hot uh, some burgers on the Barbie and, uh, and 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 hold an event and, and even pass the half to cover the twenty five bucks if you want for the the streaming fee. But uh, we do need support in these areas so we can keep going. And uh, obviously we're over the target. So so it's the event, the merchandise. Uh, obviously you can still go to mypillow.com and and check us out there with promo code CDM and get gifts for that new wife and the family or the new housewarming gift or he has 600 products bed bath and beyond is going out of business support mike lindell and support the georgia record with that i'm going to run a we, we sat down with henry zarb who was actually in the middle east traveling and we we had a good conversation with him again he's the head of the miami-dade republican executive committee election integrity subcommittee and he was instrumental in getting florida to get rid of the eric system which georgia needs to do so with that, I'm going to run this about eight-minute video with Henry, and we'll go from there. I'm here with Henry, Henry Zarb, who is the head of the Election Integrity Subcommittee for the Miami-Dade GOP Republican Executive Committee. Welcome, Henry. Thanks for coming back on. Uh, thank you, Todd. It's good to see you again. I know you're, you're. it's late where you are, so thank you for taking the time and, uh, and avoiding sleep. But so... <laughs> Florida pulled out of Eric. Good news that we've all been working on. Georgia is thinking about it, but there's some people who obviously want to stay in and some who are aware of what's happening. So I just wanted to give your advice or thoughts on the whole Florida situation because you were active in that whole uh, fight, if you will. Well, it's actually it's obviously excellent news. To be mm -hmm. honest, I was rather surprised because mm -hmm. in all our interactions, uh, some of them directly with our Secretary of State, uh, called mm -hmm. Bird. My mm -hmm. impression was that they were going to try and stay in. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we fairly conclusively proved, and fairly early on, that Eric was not cleaning up any voter rolls. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I think the I was one of the first people to to run um, national change of address database checks on um, county voter roll. And uh, we have approximately one and a half to 1.6 million people in the county on the rolls mm -hmm. uh, registered to vote in uh, Miami-Dade. Uh, we found 98,000 addresses that were invalid in one way or another. Now, that doesn't sound like invalid address. You might think that's not terribly um, serious. You can correct it. Well, the point is that these invalid addresses uh, can be used and often are used to produce um essentially fake ballots the ballots that the real voter never gets but that mm -hmm. are captured by somebody else and then used to vote so that was a, i think we fairly much proved that conclusively i later and more recently uh, found some 720 people who literally voted out of vacant properties yeah. uh, properties that were had been read had been actually checked by the USPS as being commercial mail receiving agencies, i.e. Yeah. FedEx, uh, USPS themselves, and so on. So that was the first thing. We, we put these points to the Secretary of State last year, quite in, uh, I think, uh, late spring, early summer. Mm -hmm. um, his reaction was, well, we're still negotiating. We want to get, you know, David Becker um, influence out of the um out of uh, eric um, but we keep we kept pressing we said you know my, my view and i think i said this to him was well even if you get one bad apple 
out mm-hmm. of the organization. It doesn't mean that you won't spend the rest of your time wondering if there's another bad apple yeah, of course. <laughs> coming in behind. So um, this was great news. They did apparently have some negotiations and Eric, luckily for us in a way, became uh, remained intransigent on doing mm-hmm. some of the things that they wanted reduced, like you know, they wanted to reduce the partisanship. Florida had already apparently decided not to send Eric any uh, DMV data on minors. This was mm-hmm. a big issue, uh, I believe, for Alabama, mm-hmm. uh, was that data on you know minors, uh, people who are basically under 21, uh, or even, I believe, under 18, uh, their data was being sent and, and it was being passed on uh, by uh, Eric to other organizations without really anybody's consent. So um, it was interesting. We had a meeting once with our supervisor. In fact, I think the very first meeting we've had with the supervisor of elections here in Miami-Dade, and, and we asked them about Eric, and she was convinced that Eric cleans up the voter rolls. And it's, yeah. we, as I said, we proved that it doesn't. So the basic job that the states want to do, it didn't do. Um, the other argument was, well, if we don't have Eric, we've got nothing in which, uh, not, no way of registering double voters, people who move to Georgia and vote, and people from Georgia who move to Florida and vote in both states. Mm-hmm. Well, the truth is, aside from that being compared to phantom voters, uh, a relatively minor problem, it's not true that they can't do that. I mean. Eric was serving, I think, 31 or 32 states. Well, the other 28 states don't use it and they don't seem to have a problem. And all you need to do is have individual agreements between the states. So there were a lot of arguments against it. I'm delighted that in the end they listened to reason and realized that Eric was simply not this kind of organization that Florida ought to have anything to do with. So the there was a report that came out, I believe, a week or so ago that showed all the states that have Eric having much more increased bloater role, bloated roles than uh, than those that don't use it. So you essentially may have a million voters in the state and they've got a million and a half voters on the rolls if they're using Eric, something like to well, that effect. I mean, we've been using Eric since, I believe, 2019 in Florida. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have uh, uh, another... Um, co-religionist, if that's the right word, of mine yeah. elsewhere in Florida, has done an NCOA on the entire state and the figure uh, of inaccurate or invalid addresses is 1.15 million. The wow. uh, whole voter base in Florida is only about 15 million, so that's about 6%. That's yeah. huge. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's all Eric does. Eric gathers all the data you could possibly imagine that would be helpful to producing fake ballots. And then they bloat the rolls. So, yeah, 6% is enough to flip any election these days, right? I mean, yeah, it would. I mean, it's amazing to me that DeSantis won against Andrew Gillum. Yeah. Uh, he won by, I think, 40,000 votes or 36,000 votes, which was some uh, tenth of a percent or two tenths of a percent or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, this didn't happen this time. I'm not sure exactly that we can take the credit for that, but anyway, mm-hmm. one way or the other, it didn't happen. So what would you suggest Georgians do to uh, try and rid themselves of this menace? 
Well, I think they've just got to keep up the pressure. I think the best thing for them to do is to have, uh, if they have RECs that will pass resolutions, mm -hmm. uh, asking the Secretary of State to to remove uh, the state from Eric, uh, pointing out things like the 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 uh, the fact that they send out information about minors. I mean, I think you know we we have a lot of parents who are concerned in Florida about you know CRT in education mm -hmm. and all this other stuff that, uh, that's being pushed on children and parents are very sensitive about their children's information and I think uh, this is also a case where it's probably being misused yeah uh, and you know so that's that would certainly be one thing I think Georgia my impression is they know full well at least the the election integrity volunteers in Georgia have done the kinds of analysis that we've done and they just need to keep pushing and yeah. pushing and basically but the RECs have a role to play they can pass resolutions and make it clear that even within you know the GOP the, the sort of main what you might call the mainstream GOP uh, there is resistance to Eric it's not just election integrity nerds uh, yeah. like yes like us well thank you Henry I know it's late I really appreciate your time I just wanted to get your wisdom sure. for the people of Georgia so thank you and have some sleep not at all. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Todd. And I'll see you in a few days, I guess, when I get yes. back to my Cheers. Right. Take care. Bye. Bye. So uh, we thank Henry for coming on. He, he's a wealth of knowledge uh, and coordinates a lot with activists inside Georgia as well to have done a lot of analysis and data collection and review of the uh, voter data in both states. So uh, with that, I want to bring on Matt Rowanzak, who's the newly minted vice chair of the GOP in Fulton County. Uh, Matt, let me set the stage real quick because two years ago, people don't really under, not, may not know that there was essentially MAGA won in 20, you know, two years ago, but was uh, through a process of uh, some would say illegal appeals. And then a, another a third election, which was electronic, uh, which used different people to vote. Um, you know, go down the list. It was very squirrely to say the least, but Something happened yesterday in Georgia, and you were at the tip of the spear. So tell us uh, what happened in Fulton specifically. Well, Todd, uh, it was a pretty exciting day, even though we had to endure 10 hours of it. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of shenanigans going on, right, with parliamentary issues and stuff? Uh, yes, and it was just the, the positive side was at the end of the day, you know, elections were at the end of the agenda, which mm -hmm. we assume was intentional. Mm -hmm. try and tire people out. Mm -hmm. um, but we voted via paper ballots. Wow. On each race. And as you know, two years ago, we voted with tiddlywinks and it was a disaster. Um, you can't make this stuff up, man. <laughs> no, and it's, what's really funny is uh, running as a candidate, I had a uh, my blazer on one event and I ended up reaching into my pocket and the extra tiddlywinks I had from two years ago were at the wow. bottom of the pocket. Oh, hilarious. Brought back memories. Yes. <laughs> but at the end of the day, so there was a, a lot of really, really good candidates from chair to I ran for first vice chair. Um, and then there were six vice chairs and then secretary and treasurer. And what's amazing is the credentials committee you know, there are essentially six vice chairs running for six positions. So that mm -hmm. was set, you know, mm -hmm. but for the rest of them, what the credentials committee put forth, um, which is just a handful of individuals at the end of the day, all of them 
through uh, nominations from other candidates from the floor that were ready, won. So it was a resounding voice from the people in the assembly and from the people of Fulton County. That So, so what you're saying is the, the, the establishment had put forth candidates officially through their committee process and from the floor, you guys won against all those candidates. We did. Right? Yeah. And I think a lot of us were uh, what we were looking to see if there would be some kind of uh, reach across the aisle, if you will, mm -hmm. by by not recommending all of their people mm -hmm. you know, for every single position. But at the end of the day, that's what they did. And, you know, the audience resoundingly said, like, on average, the percentage of the our candidates that won, won anywhere from 60-40 to, you know, 55-45. So, so resounding, resounding wins. It wasn't close. <laughs> wow. And you guys had a parliamentarian there as well, right? I we understand. did. Yeah. We did, and she was fantastic. I think she's had probably at least 20 uh, years of experience mm -hmm. as a professional parliamentarian. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was done to prevent any, you know, screw ups from Robert's Rules of Order or yes. shenanigans or whatever, so that they could try to steal it from it. And there was still plenty of that, but you yeah. know, pick your battles. Yeah, sure. So um, there is, I understand, five days for them to appeal. Is that correct? Um, I think that's correct. But there was a, one really nice gesture at the end of the convention last night. Uh, there were two, there were three candidates running for chair. Mm -hmm. the, the two, it was really a race between two, which was Stephanie Andres and Peter Corman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just for uh, lack of a better word, like Peter Corman, more of the establishment candidate, Stephanie Andres, yeah. more of the, the people's candidate. And at the end of the convention, he said, I make a point of order and would like the, you know, secretary or the convention committee, the secretary to make a note that the vote was unanimous for his opponent, Stephanie Andres. And wow. even though you can't technically do that procedurally, it was a nice gesture to say there's, there's not going to be any doubt about who won the chair. Wow. Good for him. Yes. So am I wrong? Um, it was, is Betsy Corman, his wife, uh, Betsy Kramer, Betsy Kramer. That's a different, different. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm different mistaken. Then. Okay. Sorry. So, um, so where do you go from here? What What is the agenda? Well, I think I'm very confident that everybody from top to bottom on the executive team, mm -hmm. from chair to vice chair to secretary and treasurer, even assistant secretary and assistant treasurer is willing to work together. I think we're going to have a really good chemistry. That's mm -hmm. I think what everybody's really excited about. Even, you know, a, Few of the individuals that were on the executive team for the last two years, mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of them. Um, I could tell at the end of the convention they were kind of grinning, you know, smiling from ear to ear, and I think they know we're going to get work done. Mm -hmm. um, I think we'll probably have to meet as a team first to figure out, you know, where mm -hmm. we we're going to do a lot at the end of the day, but where do we really focus? We know election integrity has got to be one, right? voter mm -hmm. outreach. That's kind of what my message was at the end of the day was we got to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we do, we are a political party. If we do one thing at the end of the day, we have to win elections. And in my opinion, that is maximizing turnout and it's minimizing the fraud. Yeah, um, for sure. So that's definitely got to be a focus area. Um, but I think, 
you know, with member engagement and donor engagement, we're going to create a warm and welcoming environment for everyone that naturally our numbers are going to grow and we're going to build something that folks can be proud of. Wow. So Stephanie had quite the track record up in Johns Creek on the city council. So uh, she's she a did. Yeah. And I think so. when she got ran for re-election, she won over 70% of the vote. Yeah. And so. the, the other side even tried to sue her because she was being so effective yeah. uh, in straightening out the corruption. So, um, you know, obviously transparency is a huge one. You guys are going to try to implement that in the Georgia GOP because there's been a a big lack of that, I would assume that's going to be one of your one of your planks. Of course. And I know one of the um, priorities that Stephanie put out throughout, mm -hmm. she mentioned it um, throughout the candidate forums was having monthly meetings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she, she put out a 90 day plan. Mm -hmm. So I fully expect that we will if we don't have an official meeting this coming week, we'll at least have a conversation with the, the executive mm -hmm. team and start to get to know each other better and you know discuss what we want to accomplish and where we start. But mm -hmm. yeah, I expect to see it started pretty quick. What about the, the state apparatus? Um, do you have any insight as to what's going, you know, Schaefer's resigning. What do you see happening in the next few months? The convention's in June, right? Correct. June 9th and 10th in Columbus, Georgia. Okay. Um, I haven't delved in too much. I know a few things, but my our focus really was at the county level because we know how important Fulton is. Mm -hmm. um, I think sure. I know I will start to dial in and get more in tune with what's happening at you know district and especially the state level in the coming weeks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, specifically related to the candidates, what's their history, what do they stand for, what are folks you know saying about them. I know that you know Josh McCoon is one of the candidates, and he's um, recommended by David Schaefer. Mm -hmm. So um, I just got to dig in and learn more and sure um, can share more later. Well, Matt, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. I know it was a big night and you're probably up late celebrating, but uh, thanks for jumping on the show late notice. I appreciate it. It was an amazing day and I would just, hopefully this gives people hope and encouragement yep. to stay in the fight and we will, we will fight for you. So, well, no, this is huge because, you know, Georgia was seen as lost and yesterday it was a, big, big bombshell that went off. I mean, it wasn't just Fulton. It was what, six or seven major counties. I mean, yeah, Savannah, I've heard, all of them. I've heard, Cherokee, I've heard Forsyth, I've heard Spalding and mm -hmm. Chatham. Wow. Thanks to y'all's great reporting too. Oh, well, thank you. Well, it's been, that's a huge day. So thank you, Matt. We'll have you back and you've been helping us behind the scenes. So I appreciate that. Take Very care. Welcome. You too, Todd. Yes. Bye. House Bill 520 is still uh, in play, uh, goes to the Senate uh, for consideration now. And uh, we've been out in front at the Georgia record against this bill. I'm going to bring in Paul Hershey's, who's a Marine veteran, and uh, is going to delve into this a little bit. Thanks for coming on the show, Paul. It's my pleasure to be here and hope you're having so, a good day. Well, we we we're in the fight. So, you know, it's all good. So uh, tell us. Tell us what you want to get out on House Bill 520. Well, first of all, um, the one thing that I'd like to talk about is, is that everybody, and there are some people that are talking about that a lot of Section 1 is inundated with already established codes. Mm -hmm. And that, that is, is correct in a lot of aspects, mm -hmm. except that if you look what they're also adding is that 
they're adding the portion where the two uh, parties that are signing an affidavit as to be the, as to be uh, mentally evaluated. Mm-hmm. What they're saying is is those those affidavits are going to be hidden. Right. And people got to realize that that's just another infringement on our privacy. Because again, yeah. even if the judge signs it, and the other side is, is 90, 90 or 91% of all people that are being involu- involuntary uh, uh, evaluated admitted. in the program yeah. um, are admitted by physicians. So mm-hmm. why is it necessary to have the two individuals who may not be qualified to determine whether you're mentally ill or not. Plus you don't, it's basic due process. You don't get to, you know, confront your accuser. You don't, I mean, it, it's, it could be there just somebody no, who doesn't like no what you're process. saying. No, you know? there is no due process. Yeah. And, and, and then you're not even, you're not even going to be able to allow to face your your accuser. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is, is the indemnity. And any legislator that that has passed this bill that basically says that these people that are in, that are administrating or, or evaluating or should be held homeless, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they be held to to standard ethical practices? And why should they be exempt from being looked at for civilian or criminal? Uh, violations so why 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 are they held harmless um the other thing let me just let me just interject there before you keep going i mean this has a long history this is not new i mean this goes back to you know the cultural revolution in china the nazi germany where they said people were mentally ill and had to be put in you know because they were saying the wrong thing I mean, this is what, to me, it seems like they're laying the basis for, that they can come after someone who says something. You know, we just had this guy in Florida try to uh, introduce a law that bloggers had to register if they criticized the governor. I mean, this seems just coming from far left field, and we got to stop it. I mean, do you agree? Well, th- I mean, this is this is part of what was being prosecuted in the Nuremberg trials. Right, right. Is that is that is that you had judges and and uh, other law entities that were, you know, doing a lot of that during the Second World War. Mm-hmm. And, and so all of this is is an infringement on our rights to control yeah. the population, to move things forward uh, down the road that they know are every move and thought. I interrupted you. What, were you, what was your next point, Paul? I just wanted to get that one point out. The history. My, my next point is, is when you look and when you, and when you look at the uh, the ability to the go- of the governor and private corporation to monitor us, I mean, the other side of that coin is is we've already got enough monitors on us, mm-hmm. but but now we're going to add biometrics, we're going to add all of these other things in 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 systems to monitor us, and so again, where where does Big Big Brother stop? Yeah. And, and we end. Well, coming on the heels of, you know, Governor Kemp's trip to the World Economic Forum to hobnob with Klaus Schwab and, and, you know, all these other globalists and then coming back and seeing the rush that this bill is being put through. And yes, all the monitoring um, is, I mean, this is what they're doing in China, the Chinese Communist Party. It's the same thing. I mean, they're just laying the groundwork legally here to, to move against who they don't like, in my opinion. What's your next point, Paul? 
my 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 point is 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 there is no auditing process. Mm-hmm. We're we're ex- we're going to expand Medicaid. We're going to expand all of this these issues, and and one of the things that was talked about in uh, by by one of the sponsors of the bill is that this bill is necessary to create committees to determine what mental health is. And I, yeah. and I find that very interesting because I cannot find a statute that basically says you've got to create a bill to commit a, to, to, to have a study committee. And, and again, yeah. when you look at all of this, the money that's being flowed is, is astronomical, and yet there are no audit activities or follow-on. So they're just going to be spending the money the any way they want to do it, and there's no accountability. Seems so very familiar. Got a fiduciary responsibility to the to the, the their constituents. Allow this to happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, what you, would you recommend Georgians do? Because this is very far along in the process. It went very quick. It's crossed well, over think, to the Senate. What do you recommend? I, I think that I think that that. They're, they should be calling their senator, their representatives, and mm-hmm. and 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 to me, there are there are too many what ifs in this bill. And what what is the rush? What is the rush to to pass this bill? There yeah. are too many. There are too many loopholes. There's not enough clarification in all of this. This bill should either be voted down or tabled. Yeah, and followed on. And the last thing is, is I'm appealing to the to the American veterans mm-hmm. that are that are living in Georgia. We already have enough a stigma attached to attached to us. And the interesting thing is, there is no definition in this bill as to what mental health is. The definition of mental health, and it's not going to be out until December. Now, the interesting thing is, one of this one of the sponsors of this bill has made a comment. And the comment is, is this, well, we've got to, we've got to wait until December to find out what the definition of mental health is going to be. And also not only mental health, but serious mental health. So now only, not only are we going to have mental health, we're now going to have another definition for serious mental health. And my understanding is mental health is already a serious issue. Yeah. So essentially, they're setting in process legally the way to punish people who they would want to anonymously call mentally ill, but they don't even want to tell you what that means yet. They just want to put the 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 uh, you know punishment in place for whatever they decide they want to punish for. Essentially, is what is what's happening. Well, obviously, yeah. because we we've already got the stigma by some legislators that basically said all veterans right. all have PTSD or some form of it, and they should not be allowed to, to, to own weapons or carry weapons or anything else. And this is just another way to violate our, our rights that we we fought for. Yeah, the Second Amendment is not for is not for hunting and fishing or self-defense. It's for it's essentially to protect your rights. And they want to take away that ability. I mean, it's, it's an undermining of the second amendment is what we're talking about here. Cause it's red flag laws. It's all of the, to come after people who are law abiding citizens that they may think would confront the regime if, if they do something even more worse than they've already done. 
So this is the, the other thing that I that that again this opens up this opens this opens up the the door to basically challenge or change your your application to buy a gun. Yes. And and, and what they're going to do is on that on that document they're going to state are you suffering from PTSD or X Y and Z and the next thing you know you're going to be checking yes and you and you you just you just killed your own rights to buy a gun. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's obvious what's happening. And this has been slowly put in in other states as well. I believe this was a version of this was already signed into law in Florida and people just aren't aware of it. So, yes. So how do we, uh, any other thoughts on how we confront this by just talking to your representatives? I mean, obviously educating people is huge on this. Well, the first thing, you know, I had a, I had a, a college professor that did a, a, a comment and he was, a, he was a math, he was a math major. Mm -hmm. And, and basically he said is RTB read the book. Yeah. Well, the problem here is, is we need RTB both to our legislators, both to our senators and both to the Georgia public to read the bill. Yeah. That's the first thing they need to do is read the bill and understand the bill. And then they need to follow the bill and track the bill that's now in the Senate. It's already been passed by the House. Yeah. And they need they need to call their senators, voice their opinion on what they, this bill should do, and and go down to the to the Capitol and voice your opinion at the committee meetings, the floor meetings, or anything else to your representatives. This is a bad bill. It needs to be, it either needs to be killed or tabled, one of the two. Let me ask you this. Have you heard anything from Governor Kemp on this bill? No, I have not heard anything. But again, he, you know, this yeah. is this is one of, this is a follow-on to 1013 that was passed last year. Mm -hmm. and, and, and there was a lot of ambiguity in, in 1013. Now what they're trying to do is clean that up and clarify that. And they've opened doors in this bill, in, in my estimation, that what they're going to try to do is add follow-on bills to this to clarify more and more and more so that what happens is is it, there's going to be a, a piece of our privacy and, and freedom taken away from us just a little by little. And what yeah. you've got is this is Obamacare in reverse. Yeah. You've got to read the bill to find what's, out, what's in it. And they won't tell you what the definition of mental health is for another year. Not a bit. So you're yeah. writing a bill. So you're writing a bill for a definition you don't have. You're putting in an enforcement mechanism for something that there is no problem, essentially, right. at this point. Right. You're and that's point. curious. Why would you do that? Why would you rush it? Um, you know, it, it's way too obvious what's going on here. And uh, I think all the GOP members who are supporting Kemp and Raffensperger just need to get out of their matrix and see exactly what's happening. You know, we, we don't, we don't want tyranny no matter where it comes from and truth is truth and we got to bring it and no matter where it stands or falls, we got to get it out there. So Paul, thank you for coming on. I appreciate your time. You're very welcome. And it was my pleasure to be here today. Is there anywhere people can get in touch with you if they want to? Yes. Um, they can, they can email me. Mm -hmm. Um, my email is, is, uh, 53 highway at Gmail. Okay. 
and I'm available to talk to anybody. Thank you, Paul. Have a good day. I'll have you back. Take care. Great interview. The guy has a lot of insight. Um, we're waiting on our last guest, uh, Holly. Uh, she's from No Left Turn in Education. We are a little early, so I'm going to talk quickly about one thing that also is important for CD Media, which is our no ad subscriptions. We have a bunch of papers around the world. We have papers in Eastern Europe, in the Middle East, in the Balkans. Uh, we have CDM Espanol, which is our Spanish-speaking site the Miami Independent, the Georgia Record, which you know of here that sponsors this show, the Connecticut Sentinel, the Manhattan in New York City, Armed Forces Press. I mean, and we're launching a paper in Maryland very soon, the Easton Gazette on the shore, which will cover Delaware in, in Washington, D.C. and Maryland. So we are out there rebuilding the media so that you will have a place to go to and find good information that's true and not globalist spin. So, and again, we don't wear, we don't care where the truth falls. We're not a GOP organization. That's obvious. We have called out corruption in both parties, and we will continue to do that. So you can get all of this by signing up for our no ad subscription. If you go to any of our sites, there's a, a sign or a little block in the top right that says sign up for no ads. Uh, you pay us a few bucks a month, and you get access to all of our sites without any advertisements. I know people, you know, sometimes we get people saying, oh, I hate these pop-up ads. Well, look, I mean, Running a global media company is expensive and you don't get anything for free. And that's not a conservative value to want something for free. So we have to make money to support ourselves. And ads is one way we do that. So uh, sign up for our no ad subscription. You won't have any pop-ups and you can get everything we put out uh, and really be a one-stop shop globally to scan cdm.press and find out what's happening around the world. And in, in one scan, get the evening email address also or email newsletter. But um, and then to drill down into different areas like Georgia with the Georgia record. So Holly's here. Hello, Holly. Thanks for jumping on. I appreciate it. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, you were great. Uh, wealth of information last time. So tell us uh, what you want to talk about today. You had a different topic and my phone died and I don't have my thing in front of me. So tell us what you want to talk about today. Yeah, I would love to discuss Senate Bill 233, which is the Georgia Promise Scholarship Act. What this bill will provide is um, children in public schools access to their state funds. $6,000 of that can be applied to private or parochial school of their choice hmm. should that school um, not be a good fit for that child. Mm -hmm. um, we're not breaking glass ceilings here in Georgia. Uh, school choice has been around for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. I'm a product of school choice uh, from Cleveland, Ohio. It was in a mm -hmm. failing school district. And I was given access to vouchers, which is what they were classically called. And um, I know that it changed the trajectory of my life. So mm -hmm. like many Georgians here uh, during 2020, we were watching our schools close and, you know, different approaches as to how to open and operate and all of that. And mm -hmm. here we are a couple of years later and we're seeing the data that's coming out of that. Um and also the continual blame on COVID for the state of our current school systems here in Georgia. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think that's worth noting. And yes, it, it's absolutely propelled the conversation in this state. Um, but it doesn't take away from the fact that school choice has been around for a long time. And we, instead of, um, you know, taking the initiative to really lead the charge on this movement, we are really trailing behind. So, mm -hmm. 
myself and so many other parents um, are just really, really hopeful that this might actually be the year that Georgia implements true school choice. Um, back wow. on Monday was crossover day. And for mm -hmm. the first time in the history of ESA bills, educational savings accounts is what we're calling them. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually got it passed out of the Senate. In a 23 to 33 vote, every Republican in the Senate voted in support of this legislation. And so now it's headed over to the House Education Committee and hopefully onto the House floor. Um, but one of the things I wanted to discuss most specifically was the intention of this bill originally was written to be um, a program that would be accessible to all Georgia students mm -hmm. that are in the public school system. And on crossover day, there was an amendment that was made on the floor and ultimately passed that then changed this legislation to state that only students in the bottom 25% of uh, those schools, so they would be able to access, should this pass, the, um, the Promise Scholarship Act. So basically on the, go on the governor's website, there is a ranking system that goes school by school in the state of Georgia. Um, and you can go on there and you can see which schools are listed as the body, bottom 25%. And as that amendment states, um, basically this bill would only allow children in those schools to access um, the uh, Promise Scholarship Act. So with that being said, a lot of us parents are like, this is good, but we can do better. We can yeah. do so much better. Um, true school choice is not about the school. It's not about the school system. It's not about whether they're A plus or failing. It's about the student. And a child it's can about be- about parental rights, essentially, yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so we um, were working really hard to redirect that narrative back to the students and not so much a conversation about the school systems. Yeah. Um, and so that's where we're at. This week should be uh, a lot of things going on. Um, but what we are really needing is for parents in Georgia to reach out to the House Education Committee and their, their House representatives and let them know that we want we want to see true schools of choice in the state of Georgia. Um, ESAs for all, um, access for all. Again, this is about the student and not about school systems. Yeah, that almost puts into place a perverse incentive to have your child not do well so you can access the program. It's it's a little bit weird. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm appreciative that they're working together and they're trying to find common ground to make this happen in Georgia. But again, huh. I feel like we can do so much better. Yeah. Um, and just for your viewers to, to understand, I know last time we touched a little bit on what an ESA is, but um, an ESA is an educational savings account. And mm -hmm. it's in the same vein as like a health savings account. So um, for those of you that have health insurance that provides one of those, you get like a card um, and it has X amount of dollars on it. And let's say you take that card to um, your local CVS, you buy a bottle of aspirin and you buy a Snickers bar, you swipe the card and it's only going to pick up the bottle of aspirin. Mm -hmm. It's the same thinking. So basically in this bill, you would be able to utilize the $6,000 towards private or parochial schools, um, homeschooling curriculum, technology um, for schooling, even therapies for children that have special needs and mm. um, need extra resources for their education. 
Um, and so it would be in the same vein. So basically those funds will only be allowed and allocated towards the approved vendors, as well as the schools that have decided to participate in the program, which we are, um, we are encouraged to know that there are a lot of private schools that have been watching and paying attention are eager to participate um, should this yeah. pass. That'd be, be a new, whole new uh, pool of students for them, essentially. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Wow. Holly, how can people get in touch with you? How can they support No Left Turn and find out what you guys are doing? Yeah, so we're very active on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, No Left Turn in Education. Um, you can look us up on our website. Um, Facebook, we're very active. We also have a signal chat under the same mm -hmm. name. You can join mm -hmm. us there. Um, and of course, you can always reach out to me anytime if anyone has any questions about the school choice legislation, uh, the Georgia Promise Scholarship Act. Um, you can reach me at holly.terei at noleftturn.us. Um, but most important, you know, this is a time crunch right now, and we really need Georgians to do their part and make their voices heard. Um, we're so thankful for what the Senate has accomplished, but we can do better, and Georgians need better. Um, currently, Georgia is rating 36 uh, in the nation, so we're not even in the top half in regards yeah. to education. And when we look at just our GOP uh, voters and, you know, our Republican House members, the people have spoken on this issue. The primary ticket um, this last election, primary ticket question number two was, would you like to see funding follow the student? And it listed all the avenues that it could go to private, parochial, homeschool, hybrid, pod school, um, all of these things. And uh, nearly 80 percent of Georgia GOP voters polled yes. When you went more specific by county by county and you look at like middle and south Georgia, some of those polling numbers were as high as 83, 85 wow. percent. So the people from the GOP perspective have spoken. Um, but even outside of that, we have so much imperial data to support the fact that this really is not a partisan issue. If anything, this is an issue where it pulls parents from all aisles into one, because at the end of the day, all parents want is their children to have access to the best education that is most appropriate for them and their educational needs. And so it is a very unifying issue. And we've seen that in mm -hmm. um, in Virginia with um, Lunkin, and we've seen it in uh, Florida, and we've seen it in Arizona, all these crossover votes that have come over to support this issue, um, because it's really not about a political ideology or party. It's about the kids. Well, I've said for some time that the the, the way to uh, red pill, for lack of a better word, a lot of uh, parents is to go after their children, which is what they're doing in a variety of ways. And so if people are seeing all this smut in the schools and the teaching of Marxism and all this. And so this is a way to counter that. So, yes, great absolutely. Job. Yeah. Thank and you, Holly. Unions hate it. I hate it. I, if the unions hate it, I love it. So that's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Just like uh, I heard. Uh, um, Anthony Sabatini in Florida said he, the reason he likes Trump is because all the e most evil people in the world hate him with a passion. So, you know, there you go. So, Holly, thank you for your time. Thank you so it. much for having me. All right. Take care. Well, there you go. Wow. What a show. It's been quite a week. As I said, uh, one last appeal. We did have a cyber attack that destroyed some very expensive equipment last night, so we could really use uh, some donations to replace that. Go to cdm.press 
top right corner to donate and uh, help us uh, rebuild our back end so we can continue to focus on getting the stories and getting the information out. The Georgia record has become quite impactful. Obviously, we're right over the target and we're going to come up around for another run uh, to drop drop the ordinance. So thank you very much for joining us here on the Georgia 24 show and we'll see you next week.